0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Thursday. It's the 29th of June, 2017. Before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get some of our housekeeping stuff taken care of. First of all, you may notice that there's a lot of background noise uh, and the audio recording is a little different. My daughter's doing a cooking class, and I'm having to wait around for her. I'm at a mall, so you're going to hear a lot of, uh, again, background noise. Hopefully, the audio will be usable. Uh, But anyway, that's what's going on if you hear all that type of stuff. Uh, Also, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, a couple of different ways to do that. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206745. 2731 that is with uh, Google voicemail and it's I think limited to ninety seconds so if you use that just be aware of it. If you would like to send in an email or if you would like to record your own audio and send that to me, the email address to do that is firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word firearmscafe at gmail.com Alright, so let's go ahead and jump in with our discussion today When I last left off on the show uh, which I believe was back in April, I was talking about the red dots and how I was about at least at that point, about 99% sure that that was going to be something that could be a viable option for me uh, since then, I met up with a listener, a gentleman by the name of Ken, and he had a, about three pistols that he brought to the range, and they all had red dots on them. Two were Trigicons, and I, I forget what the last one was, uh, but that last one was on a .22. Uh, the other two were on a Glock 19 and a Glock 26, and they were, of course, both 9 millimeters. If you go over to the listener page on Facebook, there uh, I will go ahead and post up a couple of pictures of the two targets that we shot at, and the groupings aren't too bad. They were at about oh, seven yards or so, as I think is what we kind of kept it at. Uh, I still there is still a bit of a learning curve for me. Now one of the things that Uh, Ken had said was that Suarez, which is up in Prescott, Arizona. And for those of you guys that don't know, I live in Arizona. I'm down in the Phoenix area. So for me to get up to Prescott would take probably about two hours. But supposedly what you can do is you can go up there. You can take the class. And for around $50, I don't know if it's $50 for the whole class. So if you did a three-day class, is it $50 for the rental Or if it's maybe $50 a day, uh, I don't know. But anyway, you can go up there and you can use one of their uh, pistols or maybe the slide or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how it works. But you can use one of theirs for the class. So that's probably what I'm going to end up having to do to make the final decision. I do have a question about the... I guess maybe durability slash lifespan of the red dot on that pistol mounted slide. So just how many uh, repetitions can it take? How much shock can it absorb? All that type of stuff. And the reason I'm wondering about that is I don't want to spend upwards of around maybe, you know, six, seven hundred dollars. On getting one of these red dots, or buying, you know, just a a slide that would drop into, you know, onto my seventeen or something like that. Uh, Or if I was going to do it on 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 the um, on the VP9, of course, I would have to slide have to have the slide milled, and I don't really know if I want to do that or not, Uh, because once you do that, there's sort of no going back. So probably. What I would do is I was going if I was gonna go the RMR route, that may be something that I would do on the Glocks. And I would probably realistically probably just purchase a slide and kind of see how that that worked. And then again you you wonder, well are you gonna have compatibility problems? Probably not, you know, with the Glock, especially if they're using if Suarez is using a Uh, a Glock upper slide that they've gotten and then they're just milling that out so that it's you know it's a factory slide type thing so anyway that's kind of one of the questions that I have about it Uh, like I said I'll put those uh, pictures up and I'm going to check I'm doing this on my phone and so I want to check and see if it'll let me pull up if it'll let me pull up photos here, so I'm going to kind of stumble around. Sometimes on there, if you open up another app or go into something, it will sort of shut itself down, but it looks like it's going to let me go ahead and do that. So, uh, okay, so let me pull it up. So, on the images that you see, the groups aren't too bad. They're not terrible. Uh, On the first picture, um, on targets 1, 3, 4, and 5, those are all 9mm. On the target number two that is uh, when we shot the 22 I shot on the target and then Ken actually shot at the actual number two and then on the second target we sort of see the same thing Uh, the way that I uh, did that is, I just put we had some lime green paper left over from a project that my daughter and I were doing and so I just put that under the target so that you could see uh, and most of them I shot around like 10 rounds or so per, per target. So you guys can check those out and sort of see what you think. Um, for me, again, you know, I wasn't... I, I'm not trying to get one sort of ragged hole. I'm just trying to sort of see how it's gonna, how it's going to work out for me. There is still some, I guess, kind of training issues that I've got. And I don't know, again, if it just needs to be adjusted to me, kind of uh, maybe a little bit more behind-the-scenes stuff. He had actually offered to let me borrow one of his guns, but, well, I thought that was very kind. I kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know if I really want to do that. Um, I don't want to sort of be responsible for somebody else's firearm, or if I break it, or, you know, something happens, you know, I would uh, would feel really bad on that. Of course, I'd have to, I'd, I'd replace anything that I broke, but... I would feel really bad. So anyway, uh, go over to uh, Facebook and on the Firearms Cafe listener page, click on that and you'll see those photos and leave some comments if you want. Uh, Now, kind of in that same vein, I was listening to the Pro Arms podcast and they were talking about sort of the rise of the red dot and some of the stuff that they were talking about on there was that they had a gentleman who had done some experiments and tried to do, for lack of a better term, a little bit more of like some scientific thing. Scientific is going to be in quotes, but trying to keep some of the same variables and things like that so that you just don't have one person's experience. And so they had the red dots and they had people that were uh, tuned-in, kind of compet- uh, competitive shooters. They had people that were just regular shooters, and they had people that were novices. And uh, kind of across the board, what they found was is that people had some trouble picking it up, and it wasn't as intuitive as sort of that you're led to believe through some of the marketing. Uh, and again, though, I, you, know, you could probably say a lot of that same stuff with, Uh, with just about anything, you're going to have to kind of train with it and and get to where you can find the dot. I didn't have too much trouble with losing the dot or anything, but I would try and do the same, sort of the same presentation every time so that the pistol uh, was always kind of coming up in that same plane. And I sort of knew where it was. Also, one thing that Ken had said when we were shooting is that the red dot really kind of shines like you can do fine you know just at the static range but it really sort of shines once you're kind of on the move or moving that type of thing and you're sort of focusing on that target and once you do some training it kind of all falls into place so again we'll have to see on that but anyway getting back to the pro arm stuff they had also talked about also some of the problems they had talked about. and I don't kind of want to steal their thunder, so to speak, but you can go over and listen to some of the things that they found. but uh, again, it wasn't sort of as intuitive, and I think I'd mentioned that before. But they also talked about that a thing that people had a little bit more success with was with kind of the, uh, and I can't remember if it was a light and laser combination. Uh, but the green lasers. And according to some of the research that I've seen, they say that the eye picks up green better than red. Uh, so, and uh, with the Viridian stuff, I think it's a model, and I, 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 I I'm probably going to get it wrong, uh, like X5L or L5X or something like that, that Viridian makes. And they have one that's a combination light and laser. And I think the cost on that one is in the $300, between the three and $400 range. So, you know, if you're looking at maybe something like that as an option, as opposed to going with a red dot, some of the thing with that is, of course, you can, you can switch it easily in between other pistols or even a rifle. You know, there's more mounting options for it like that. You, the, the cost of them, let's say, coming in at that three to $400 range. So if you bought, let's say, a complete slide from Suarez with the red dot mounted and all that other stuff, or if you're having to have your own pistol milled and then buy the red dot, you're probably looking, and I like I said before, it was going to be around anywhere from eight to $1,200 to get that to get all that stuff kind of done uh, the, the way that you want it. Again, you're looking at you could buy three of those type of lasers. Now, again, is there a durability issue with those? Um, is that something where every after so many rounds that uh, those things are not going to be able to absorb the shock as well? Or is it that the flashlight laser combination sort of by its very nature can absorb more punishment? You know, I don't know. I I don't have any long-term use with either of them to where it would be like, oh, well, after 10,000 rounds, these things are just too beat, and so you've got to go get a new one. Having said that, the average person is not going to fire 10,000 rounds in a year uh, the average person if you if if they fired 1200 rounds in a year would probably be a lot uh, i know i don't get to the range as much as i would like i don't and part of the problem you know with me going out and shooting i used to be able to just zip out to the desert and go out and blast away and have a lot of fun and we could go with my friends but what's happened is is they're starting to close so many of those locations down that, that there's only two or three that are relatively close where you can actually go out and do stuff. And I've talked before about there's a range out uh, south of me in Casa Grande, but it's, it's quite a ways to get out there. And it's what I would term sort of that open range where... There's no uh, safety officers there. And I know some people, you know, kind of poop themselves and get in the fetal position when they hear that. But there's, when I've been there, everybody's been safe. I've never heard of an incident going on down there. Uh, But again, kind of a lot of the ranges are kind of drying up where you could actually do stuff where you can shoot on the move, things like that. I had even toyed with years ago trying to there's a little town called uh, Maricopa that's south of where uh, south of Phoenix and years ago you could go and pick up a couple of acres I mean dirt cheap like two or three thousand dollars per acre and so I thought well you know it, uh, maybe I could find some place that's sort of out there a little bit that backs up to a mountain where it would be my private property and it's you go out and you buy a couple of acres or five acres. And then you can sort of set up your own... It's your own property, so you can go out and shoot on it. And at the time, there were places where it's still private land around there that's for sale. But there's there's really nothing around there. It's just because uh, there's not a lot of infrastructure out there. But anyway, I've kind of gotten off on a tangent. So getting back to that green laser. I think that's something that I, that, that I may try. I know there's some downsides to that. I know that when you sight it in, you sight that laser in for a, a particular range so that where your point of aim and your point of impact with the laser will be the same. So as you get in uh, closer or further away, that point of impact on, on where the laser is pointing, depending on where you are, can go higher or it can actually go lower, depending on how close or how uh, how far away you are. So there is that uh, sometimes. And again, but that could be uh, alleviated by training, sort of knowing kind of some distances, things like that, knowing um, if, you know, if the average size uh, person, you know, looks, you know, looks, uh, to be, you know, uh, a certain shape or a certain, uh, height from you, you know, that they're, oh, they're probably within seven yards of me or they're within 25 yards. You know, this is what a person would look like at that, that distance. And so I would need to adjust my aim accordingly. Of course you have to do that with iron sights anyway. So, uh, and again, the, uh, the, the drop or the raise isn't going to be, it's not like at the difference between seven yards and the difference between 25 yards is six feet. So, it, you know, it's not going to be off by that. So, that's kind of where I am. I, I know I kind of, with, with some of the gear and stuff, I'm always looking, especially since my eyes aren't what they used to be, I'm always looking for something that can kind of give me a little bit, not necessarily of an edge, but just can kind of make me as accurate as I guess I can be. Or as accurate as I'll be capable of. Now, when i using the iron sights, I can still use those. But what I found is, is that I don't get that crisp front sight anymore. I, it, it's all kind of a blur. You can still use them, but they're starting to fuzz out. So I tend to when I'm when I'm shooting with just irons what I tend to do is I'll get kind of that blurry sight picture and then I'll sort of try and maintain that while kind of focusing on the target maybe that's wrong I don't know but it it kind of works for me and I'm sure there's probably a better way to do it Uh, and at one point I had actually thought about well you know I can maybe get shooting glasses which I've talked about before like actual uh, like reading glasses I mean I misspoke there and then while I'm shooting, I can use those or I can get the stick on lenses but then the problem with that is unless I'm wearing that stick on lens on my regular glasses all the time it's not gonna it's not gonna do me any good because it's I'm setting it up for just such a a specific uh, circumstance or or uh, Situation, So it's just basically a range solution. It's not anything that would help me kind of in an everyday real world situation, if you know what I mean. So I think that's why I'm really looking and going towards something like a red dot or maybe like that light and laser combo. Uh, And I think I'm kind of actually maybe, I don't know, the more I think about it, the more I may be going that way. Who knows? Maybe I'll be all super crazy and do, do both on something. Or, or, you know, if I can uh, save up enough money, uh, eventually I'll get the red dot. But I think what I may, I don't know, I, I may start out with that green laser combo because I think that's something that I could more readily afford. And plus it could go on on different firearms. Now, I know you would have to maybe kind of dial them in a little bit. Uh, if if you were going to have it on one or the other, so but you know that's that's something that's not that big of a deal to do. Uh, let's see if there what other stuff that I want to talk about. Oh, I uh, remember a while back I talked about that I had gotten or I had put in the paperwork for a suppressor, and I talked about having the trust and all that stuff. So anyway. About a week ago or so, I got a call from the gun store where I had actually bought the suppressor from and I ended up getting a AAC element two which is for twenty two long rifle you can use like seventeen and, and twenty two magnum and all that other stuff but uh, that's what they recommend that stuff for uh, so it's it was basically I' got that so that when my wife and my daughter when all of us go out shooting, we can pop that on uh, one of our host rifles, uh, either a host rifle, which I ended up, and I think I've talked about it before, but I ended up, I had a Ruger ten twenty two and I bought a, a threaded barrel off of eBay, and I can't remember, I think it was maybe about $80 shipped or something like that. And I think I got it off eBay, or maybe I got it off... No, I actually got that off of GunBroker. I think that's where I got it. I got it off of GunBroker, And because it's just, you know, it's just a barrel, there's no... You don't need an FFL or anything like that for it. So I was able to get that off of one of their... It was a barrel that somebody had off of a, a, a rifle that they had bought, like a Talo edition or something. Maybe that was it. Anyway, it's got like the... It's threaded and it's got uh, 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 an it? A2 flash hider style thing on there to basically act as a thread uh, protector for me. So I was able, uh, the, the guy I guess was, had bought, had got or had that and was going to put like a heavy sort of a bull barrel on there. So I think, like I said, I think I got it for around like 80 bucks or so which was cheaper than taking the barrel off my original which there would have been enough room to do and having the uh, the end of it threaded so that it would be able to uh, accept a can so and it was easier plus i still had the original barrel and all that stuff if i ever wanted to do anything or that type of stuff and you know working on those ruger 1022s they're relatively simple to do so it's um I was able to not have to send it out to somebody else and then kind of worry about, oh, is this done right and this that and the other thing so anyway i went i got the call about a week ago that my stamp was in from a t f so it took about a almost a year i think uh, by the time and that 's what they were saying that their their kind of turnarounds are now it 's about a year out so if also if you remember I had ordered the the Griffin Armament Optimus, uh, which lets you go from 22 up to uh, nine millimeter, basically 30 caliber. So you can shoot um, you can shoot 7.62 by 39. So the the uh, uh, the AK stuff, or you know, if you've got an AR that's set up for that, you can do that. You can also shoot 300 blackout through it. You can shoot 9mm. Of course, you can't shoot anything above that. So uh, so you can't do 40 cal or anything like that. Uh, so anyway, that's going to be coming. So if this came in probably within another month or two, I should be able to, to get that and pick that one up. Uh, and just a little quick kind of primer on, on how you do that stuff. So in the, in the case of the Element what I was able to do is I actually bought it from the store. So I went in, they ran a background check on me, I think, and um, purchased the suppressor, sent the stuff off to ATF, finally got that back, I came through. The weird thing is is they did a delay on me. So I got the, the paperwork and the stamp from ATF saying, yeah, you're cool to have this stuff. But then when the when the store ran an, another, what is it, the 4473, ran the, 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 the instant background check, it came back with a delay. And he was saying that it may just be because it's NFA items that they may automatically be doing a delay because he was saying a lot of the NFA stuff, he's saying a lot of them were getting delays on them so I you know I don't know I don't know if maybe the volume of stuff coming through but who knows but anyway so uh, if you get a delay on something what that means is is that they're saying that there's something not necessarily wrong but something that they want to look at so with you know with my name being relatively common who knows if it came up with uh, a, a similar hit or just something that that they wanted to look at or you know I, if you're a little bit of a conspiracy theorist you could say oh it's just a way it's a de facto waiting period although you know i've waited a year already so you know who knows what's going on with that but anyway if you get a delay they can't just keep you delayed for months and months what they have to do is, i think it's within uh, seven days or something like that, unless they come up with a legit reason for you uh, that, that I guess you would be termed you know, for not being able to possess that. So unless they would come up with a, a legit reason for you to be a prohibited possessor or that to be a prohibited item for you to possess, probably the same thing, I guess. Uh, at the end of that week, you just come and you get it. So basically, I went down, they did their paperwork and uh, I got that yesterday. So I have yet to fire it. Um, maybe next week I'll be able to do that. If I can, we'll try and maybe put some video up over on uh, the YouTube channel, which is Every Blade of Grass. And you can go over to the website and click on the YouTube button and see some of the video. So I'll put that up there. I'll also try and uh, do that, put that video up on the uh, Firearms Cafe listener page on Facebook. So I'm excited to get that. I'm excited to hopefully... uh, Some of the the, uh, ammo I've got that I'm going to be shooting for it is just CCI standard, which uh, is subsonic. Going through the pistol, I don't think it's going to have enough time to... uh, Even if it was regular ammo, the barrel on there is so short. Even the can is relatively short. So I don't think it's going to have enough time to sort of build up those... uh, supersonic speeds and also because the loads are there the loads themselves even if they burned all the powder type stuff are uh, subsonic anyway so we'll do that and then we'll also put it on the rifle and shoot that and kind of see how that goes again kind of running into the problem of finding a place to go out to where we can do that and uh, finding a place you know I'd mentioned before some of those ranges where that range where there's no safety officer what happens is as more and more people have gotten sort of into the shooting game so to speak or come into the to the firearms culture those ranges fill up pretty quick and I could go to uh, the the thing we probably do is just try and go out to the desert somewhere and try and find some place but Like I said before, those are getting sort of few and far between. I'm having to drive farther and farther away. Uh, So anyway, that's sort of my suppressor stuff. So we'll see what's going on with that. Uh, Oh, but uh, we'll kind of do a quick quick circle around and come back to... Let's say that if you had to order your suppressor from, uh, like I did, a place out in Texas at the time was the only place that had it. So what I did is I went online ordered that and then you have to get your information to them as far as um what ffl you want that sent to and so those two stores have to communicate once that's done then the store in texas has to fill out a form basically like a uh, their trans- it's a transfer from one FFL to another FFL. And once they fill that out, they can send that. And then when you come to pick it up, uh, once the ATF has given you your stamp, that's when you'll do that background check on there. Because, again, they consider the can a gun, so which is ridiculous, I know. Uh, but once you do that, you'll you'll be able to pick it up. I fully expect that I'll probably get another delay. Uh, So I'll come in, you sign some paperwork, you fill out the background check, they run it. If you don't get a a delay, you can take it. Now, the guy that I was talking to said some stores, they say, well, look, the ATF says you can do it. So you've already passed the uh, federal background check. Because part of your paperwork, when you send that stuff in, is you're filling out that form for the item so you're already doing it but he was he was just saying oh we like to be careful and he said that way if something had changed for whatever reason so you know i don't know uh but he's just and and i don't blame him he just wants to have all the t's crossed and the i's dotted and all that stuff so if i get another delay it's just going to be another week so it won't be a big deal uh but what will happen again is the 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 item is at that store so again if you uh, lived out here in arizona and once the the dealers get their stuff done and it takes sometimes i think they were saying it can take maybe a month or so for them to get that stuff and then they're able to send it out uh, and then once they because on that stuff the atf moves a little bit quicker because they barbed they already have all the information on those two dealers and so the stuff goes out there um, so i think that's kind of about it for the suppressor stuff so anyway let's talk a little bit let's move this over a little bit onto a little bit of a different subject still staying with guns on the last show too, it turned out that I'd put the show out on April Fool's Day. And uh, one of the things that i as you guys know, I have the VP9 and one of you, which is uh, by HK. And one of the things that I've always thought, uh, they basically modeled it off the P30 and they have a, a compact version of the P30. And so one of the things that a lot of VP9 owners were saying, oh, it would be nice to have come out would be a compact version of the VP9. And I had seen a release on, I don't know, some some blog or something like that where they had seen, it was a, they had pictures of a European press release that HK had done. And they were in that press release. It showed uh, VP9SK, which stands for their basically their subcompact. And I was like, "Oh man, I hope it's true. I hope it's true." Well, it turns out, of course, that it is true. Now, some of you guys know uh, Daniel Shaw from Gunfighter Cast and from uh, some other stuff from uh, Shaw Strategies. I think is his company now that he's that he's doing and the training stuff that he does. But anyway, he had gotten sent the SK, and he was a big fan of the VP9. He's had a lot of good things to say about it. And he was also of the opinion like, oh, it would be really nice to have a compact version of that. And it just makes it easier to conceal carry, all that stuff. So they they sent him one. He and his wife, Andrea, uh, did some shooting, did a video. You can go over and if you just Google probably Daniel Shaw shooting VP9SK, that, that'll that pop up on YouTube or something for you. He They did pretty well with it, but they did have a couple of hiccups. and Maybe some, uh, I think maybe it was feeding or going in. Something wasn't going quite back into battery, that type of thing. So they had some stoppages. And... They've been working, I I think HK contacted him when they found out about it, and they're trying to get that stuff out. Now, that was a while back, so I don't know. I haven't heard anything, or maybe if something's out from him and I just haven't seen it uh, with some long term stuff. The guy that I talked to at where I was picking up the suppressor, I said, Oh, have you seen those yet? Have you got one in the store? And he's like, No, we don't have anything in the store. He said, They're out, but we can't get them there's there's none from our distributors yet so oh, excuse me so i uh, i would like to get one of my hot little hands and um, and be able to uh, to pick one of those up eventually i don't know if it's going to be a high priority purchase or anything like that but it would it'll probably be something in the future i uh I really like the VP nine. I like the ergonomics of it. I really uh, like the paddle release for the magazine release, which is down by the trigger guard, as opposed to being on the side of the frame. Uh, I, I like that quite a bit. It's one of those things that once you get used to it, it's nice. Uh, it, it makes it nice to where if you were shooting offhanded, you know, so to speak or shooting with your non-dominant hand, uh, all your controls on there are pretty much ambidextrous. and So with that paddle, you've, you've got your mag releases ambidextrous. You've got the slide release, all that stuff. So uh, anyway, like I said, I am looking for it. So it is true that the uh, there is a VP9SK and it is out on the market. How much it's going to be, I don't know. Probably what you could actually pick it up at a gun store for. I don't know. Probably any anywhere between like five, six hundred dollars. Probably MSRP on it is. They're probably wanting, you know, seven, eight hundred, or you know, who knows what they're going to price it at. But of course, you know, what you pick it up at the dealership is, or at the dealership, at the gun store is, uh, is always going to be quite a bit less than that. Um, Let's also talk a little bit about we'll switch over into some political stuff and we'll kind of loop back a little bit with the tied in with suppressors. So there has been floated and I'm not exactly sure where it's at. And again, I'm I'm just kind of sitting here at the mall. So I'm kind of going a little bit off of memory. But there has been uh, placed into some bill or maybe some budget thing or something like that. The Hearing Protection Act. um, I don't know sort of where that's going. Uh, I don't know if we'll see that, if that will make it through in the Senate, uh, pass, you know, go through the House and pass through the Senate. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. I think if it doesn't happen this year, which I would be kind of iffy with, I think it may happen next year at the most. And as far as what it means, or what does it mean to have the Hearing Protection Act when it finally... all gets hammered out, I don't know. It could be that it's a thing where it's still going to be an NFA item, but it's only a $5 stamp. Or it could be a thing where they say, well, it's no longer going to be considered an NFA item, but it's not going to be considered something like you buying a new barrel or you uh, buying a, let's say, like for an uh, AR-15, Type rifle, you buying an upper, so it's not going to be considered like that. Which I think it should. It should just it's basically just a it's just a metal tube with baffles in it. Uh, but what I think they may do is they may keep it uh, where that where you have to have a background check to have it. I don't know. It's it's hard. I uh, it's hard for the government to want to give up any information that they get or a way to register certain things that you have. So. Maybe it's a thing where, again, they change it to it's a five dollar stamp type deal. Uh, which, if they, even if they did that, um, you could at least be able to sort of resell them. If you want, I think it would open up maybe a used market a little bit. Although it would be a little bit difficult to do, you could still do it. You could take it into a, maybe into a, a gun store or an FFL guy, and maybe they could do the transfer on that i don't know how that stuff would work out but uh, like i said what i'd like to see is have them just remove it all together and uh, have it just be treated like an ar-15 or you could uh, treat it just like how out in arizona you still have private sales and other states have private sales where as long as you do what's called your due diligence meaning that you have no reason to believe the person you're selling it to is a prohibited possessor or or, uh, meets any of those criteria that, you know, you're good to go. You just sell it and and that's that. Uh, Also, kind of keeping in the political vein, you know, when Trump got in, everybody thought, well, you know, he's going to executive order this and he's going to executive order that. and He'll take short barrel rifles off the NFA items. He'll take suppressors off NFA items. And we really haven't seen that too much. Um, he's got so much other stuff sort of on his plate. Now, in all honesty, the guy that I wanted to be president isn't president. And the guy that I wanted to be president last time isn't president. And the guy the time before that I wanted to be president didn't isn't president. So the, the people that I voted for in the past, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't sort of win that position. So there's a lot of policy things and there's a lot of things about Trump that I do not like and that I disagree with. Um, I think that he, he is too easily goaded and some, and some people, and I don't know if you'd call them apologists or, or you know, from maybe that's just from my perspective, they're more of an apologist. But some people think, oh, that's a good thing that he fires back this, that, and the other thing. But uh, I don't know. It seems from some of the stuff that I've seen that whoever he is in a meeting with last is, is sort of the person, the people that can kind of convince him, that can kind of play it up maybe to his ego. Uh, but the guy is so, so thin skin what was that there used to be some biblical uh uh thing about where they talked about oh if you have a uh, faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed you could you could cause a mountain to be moved uh you know if you if you just even if you only just believe that little tiny tiny bit because a mustard seed is a very tiny thing but it seems like man with him if you give him an insult the size of a mustard seed, you know he reacts with that moving of a mountain type thing, which I don't know if that's what we want in the leader of our of our country. Uh, now, one of the benefits that I got is we got somebody on the Supreme Court who uh, is not, at least, an enemy of the Second Amendment. At least so far. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I think that the odds of him getting behind anti-gun decisions and things like that are going to be excuse me, are going to be pretty low Um, and I don't know uh, of course, you know, when you reach the age that a lot of those are of course, uh, what's their name? Uh, Sotomayor and Keegan and uh, Gorshitz Gorshitz, I can't remember his last name anyway, those guys are all those people are all relatively young uh, and so those three are going to be on the supreme court barring some unforeseen illness or or, or uh, tragedy those people are going to be with us for probably the next 30 years uh, but you look at some of the other people even you know guys like thomas kennedy you look at uh, ginsburg and especially in the case of ginsburg she is what 84 85 uh, and even uh, you know, at some point I kind of think that with the Supreme court there. I know it's a lifelong position, but at some point you should probably have a limit on how long you're going to be there for. Like it's a 20 year gig or something like that. So that if you get in when you're 55, when you're 75, well, okay, it's, you've done your service and it's time for you to, to step down. Um, speaking with my mother-in-law we were talking about kind of this very thing about uh, she's 85 and uh, my father-in-law recently passed and i I think i've talked to you guys about that but you know she was saying like well everybody's kind of different but you know when you get to sort of be that age things just aren't the same uh and, and of course You know, you have to look at everybody as an individual, but some of you guys know that out in Arizona in Maricopa County where Sheriff Joe Arpaio was, he, he lost his last election and he, uh, is I think 85 or so, but she was always saying that, man, I just, I don't, you know, he should have probably retired from that job 10 years ago at a minimum, probably five years ago, he should have left. Uh, Because she's saying it's just too much stress. It's too much wear and tear. And what happens is... You get sort of almost like these political dynasties. Where... Let's say that, yeah, he could... Let's say that he could even do the job or anything. But... Has he become so entrenched? And has he become so... Convinced of his own infallibility? That in the long term he ends up not serving the people to the best of his ability because again he's become so uh, convinced that what he's doing is right and his way is the best and this could go not just for Ohio which I kind of think that was one of his problems but he was always an arrogant SOB Uh, but you know if you look at somebody like Ginsburg if you look at some of of those other people that have been up on that the highest court of the land you know you've You've had your butt kissed for so long, it's got to affect you. Uh, So, anyway, uh, we shall see what's going to happen with Supreme Court. We shall see if if there are any other vacancies, what's going to happen. If there are within the next four years, uh, or the next, I guess I should say, probably three years at this point, uh, the the appointments will probably get... uh, We'll probably get... uh, pass through and then we'll see who we get put on with that. Well my time with you guys is coming to a close. I'm gonna to need to go pick up my daughter here. Her cooking class is coming to an end. So if you'd like to contact me, if you'd like to uh, talk about any of the things or that we've talked about on the show today or just any uh, other subjects, please feel free to contact me. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to use the voicemail, again, that's going to limit you to about 90 seconds. Uh, It's 206-745-2731. 206-745-2731. Or you can do uh, your own audio recording or you're uh, sending an email to me. And you can do that at firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, guys. Uh, Thanks for spending some time with me, and I will talk to you next time.